Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. Wow. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. <laughs> Holy smoke. Oh, Bible. <laughs> I guess I'll free cell or solitaire. All right. Our passage today is Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. In faith, if you're ready, let's just go there. I'd like you to read this out loud. I want you to read it out loud and try to listen Listen for things. We might even read it more than once. Let's read, it out. Let's read it once together, and then we'll come back and read it again. You ready? For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want you to hear. Uh, this is, I'll, I'll repeat this in a minute, but uh, this is the Luke recording the words of Jesus to his disciples. And he's talking about John the Baptist. So he says these words. I want you to listen for what is repeated, and then what is different. Are you ready? Let's try it again. For John baptized with water, but you will be with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. If we were reading this, if I were reading this uh, in, in many of your Bibles, if you're reading it, and if I, it, on the screen it's black and white, which is great, because that means it's, you know, no gray area, but... Uh, uh, in many of your Bibles, this passage uh, is, is in red, right? You might have a Bible with the words of Christ in red. And I, I, I'm, you know, if you know me, I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of, the, of a Bible with the words of Christ in red. Some people aren't because they, they want to remind us that all of the words of Scripture are inspired. Hallelujah. All right, all right. You know, I just, you know, sometimes people just get to, they just nerd out too much. And, <laughs> They just get too much uh, uptight. But yes, all the words are inspired. But the reason we have the words of Christ in red is there just, just remains. Even though we believe that all Scripture is inspired and all that, we just, there's just something to draw our, our attention to the words of Jesus. And I want you to, just to consider these words. I want you to consider that the words of Jesus, as we have them, as we have them recorded, even in the canon of Scripture, I want you to consider how significant this is, why we pause, why we wait, why we recognize. These words have outlasted dynasties, rulers, the rise and fall of nations, many world wars, those we have counted and those we have not. They have endured cultural, technological industrial, political revolutions. Nothing, nothing that has transpired has ever erased them, obfuscated them. Throughout history, they stand invincible and immovable and alive. Therefore, when we see them, we do not sit back and just evaluate them, nor do we adjudicate their relevance to us. Well, I don't know. That's important to me. We see them and we surrender to them. We rush to be embraced by them, even to be crushed by their glorious weight. Lord, let your words fall fresh on us today. Let your words fall fresh upon us and let us be overwhelmed by the words of Jesus. And let us never be the same. Now, what is it that Luke recorded for us? 
We remember that in the in, the, in Acts chapter one, Luke is re, is reminding us. He is re, he's kind of recapitulating what he said in in the close of his gospel, and he's reminding us uh, what Jesus said to his disciples. He records this is really important again. He records what Jesus said to his disciples, and he records it for the reader. So we see two things at once. We see that what that Jesus believed that what he was saying was important for his disciples to remember. And Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, believes that it is important that you and I, the reader, hear what Jesus thought was important to be said. As the words of Christ and his preparation, as his instructions for them regarding the coming of the Holy Spirit helped shape their faith, helped inform their faith, so does our faith, so is our faith affected and influenced and energized by the words of Jesus. Remember that although God is really big and really good and can do whatever he wants, everybody said yay, right? God, you know, scripturally, theologically, as a pattern, God meets us at the point of our faith. And by and large, it is our faith that really determines our experience and our awareness and our expression. And so, of course, we understand this is why Jesus is reminding them. He's not just saying, now remember, he's not just going through routine. He is trying to reinforce their expectometers because he wants to enlarge their experience. And I pray that you and I will lean into this time as we anticipate the celebration of Pentecost, that we'll do the same. For John baptized in water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized. Everybody just say baptized. All right. What does baptism mean? What is baptism? What's the deal? What's the deal with baptism? The word baptize is a is an English uh, version of a transliteration of, of baptismo, uh, a Greek word there, and that's fine. And and we get it. We kind of kind of know what it means. But the truth is, it's even bigger. If we, if we throw a bunch of our English words at it, if we try to translate it. it, honestly, translating it might make it more meaningful. And some of the, some of the translated uh, possibilities are they're already on the screen. Baptize means to plunge or to deluge, to immerse or to sink or to wash or to be overwhelmed or to die. Not die like, but die like taking a fabric and dipping it into, 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 into color until that, that fabric takes on the character and nature of the dye. Or to pickle. Take a cucumber, if you put it in some spice, got yourself a pickle. The, the basic, the basic, the basic, it's a, you don't taste the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. And depending, if you're, like if you're John Kramer and his family, you, they can make some spicy pickle. But let's just say you used any of those words instead of, and we hear that you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we think we shift to doctrinal understanding, we check that we mark off, oh, I got to know what that means. But listen to it like this. Jesus said this. He said, you will be plunged 
in the Holy Spirit. You will be deluged with the Holy Spirit. You will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You'll be sunk. You will be overwhelmed. And some of you, you really you need you need to be pickled. You need to sit there for a smidge. You need to sit there for a smidge till you taste different. Baptism always uh, carried with it a a, a tremendous symbolism. It didn't begin uh, with John the Baptist. It was practiced, but uh, baptism was a a ritual of cleansing. It was was often uh, seen as a rite that that, uh, introduced or indicated someone into a a new identity or a, a birth into a new community. But by the time we get to the New Testament, water baptism is when they, they would employ water in a religious ceremony designed to symbolize purification and initiation, to be purified and brought into a new thing. And as we understand it even today, water baptism expresses repentance from sin and acceptance of cleansing. And... As we've seen here already this morning in Acts 1-5, and we'll see it repeatedly through the Gospels and again through Acts, water baptism is often used as a visual comparison and even a contrast for baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we want to lean into that this morning and look at both of these baptisms. We need to see that spirit baptism is compared to water baptism, that they are a similar experience. Would you say that out loud? A They are a similar experience, but with wholly different substances and completely different results. But there's a reason why these, these two these two baptisms are, are, are described or talked about side by side because one complements and one informs. One even, anticip- one even anticipates the other. With water baptism, how many of you have ever been water baptized? Anybody that did not raise their hand, you need to fill out a communication card. <laughs> Next Sunday, Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. With, with water baptism, do, do you baptize yourself? You jump down in the water and dunk, 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 That's good. jump around? That's good. No, you don't, do you? What do you do? There's very specific, the, the imagery is, and the symbolism is very important. Water baptism, you voluntarily, you choose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You choose. If someone forces you in there, that ain't baptism. That's drowning. And drowning is bad. <laughs> I want you to think about that. But with water baptism, you choose, you choose voluntarily to, 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 put, to give yourself into the hands of someone else. It requires your surrender, not your striving, not your efforts, 
not your labor. You don't pay a fare to get in. Somebody else paid it for you. Water baptism, you come in and you submit, you surrender yourself, you entrust yourself into the hands of someone else. And then you are immersed. You are immersed into water. And that water doesn't just roll off. That water, the first, that water, if we could slow it down, that water begins to soak through the fabric of your clothes and into your skin. And then if I hold, I don't hold you down that long, but if I hold you there for a half a minute, right, it'll, it'll get all over your hair. It'll go into the, it'll go into all of the cracks, all of the crevices of your skin, into your ears, into your nose. <laughs> okay. It'll saturate every part of you. It will saturate every part of you. You will be totally affected, totally whelmed, totally deluged. And you and it will be a definite personal experience. You will know that something has happened to you. And you will come out, you come out of that water literally differently right. than you went in. Right. You went in dry. And you come out dripping. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that, just take pictures over here next week. We got to lay towels down, footprints everywhere. You come out differently than you went in. And Jesus said, you remember, you remember, you remember. He didn't say it like that, but I imagine saying, you remember, you remember when you were baptized in water? Yeah. You remember how in the hands and the holding and the lowering and the whelming and the soaking? You remember that? Yeah. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will need to entrust yourself into the hands of someone other than you. You cannot do this yourself. You cannot drum up spiritual experience. You cannot make it happen. You cannot earn this, achieve this, acquire this. You will entrust your hand, yourself into the hands, not of me, but into the hands of the Lord Jesus. You will entrust yourself into the hands of the Lord Jesus, and He will immerse you. He will will plunge you. He will deluge you. Not into water, but into a far more living, powerful substance. Into the very Spirit of God. You will be immersed into the very Spirit of God. And He will... If you sit there just for long enough, you might say, Terry, mm-hmm. if, you, if you sit there, then His presence will soak in. His influence will overwhelm. And the Holy Spirit will work His way into the Lordship of Jesus and His power, His sweetness and His strength into, into, the, into your very cells. Into every crevice of your life will come the influence of the Holy Spirit. And you will never be the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Similar experience, different substance, different result.
Water baptism and spirit baptism are not the same. But they are both important. And they are both expected. Both baptisms. When we baptize people in water, and when are we doing that? Next weekend, okay? When we baptize people in water, we pray and we expect that the Holy Spirit will meet them in the waters of baptism. You hear us say that. We come up there, we talk to them, we, we slap them with oil, and we, and we pray, may the Holy Spirit meet you in the waters of baptism today. We believe that, right? And we're going to take it up a notch. <laughs> we are. We're going to take it up a notch because every time I learn, I mean, I like, how many like to learn new things? I like to learn new things. And so I never, we never did that growing up. Dad, you were, where were you, Dad? You were with me around here when I got baptized. We wore a, a white robe and everything. We should get some robes. But uh, 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 we got to get real thick ones, though, because we don't want funny business. Okay. Uh, so we got, but they put that white linen thing on me, I think, back in the day, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and they take you in the water, and they talk to you, and, and then you're done, and everybody says, yes. And that's great. That's, that's the way I grew up, kind of Pentecostal, evangelical way. Well, then I went to, you know, I went to some other places, and I saw people doing stuff, and I thought, hey, look at that. Other places, they, they slap them with oil first. They anoint them with oil before they get... I thought, well, we're doing that. So I, 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 oil is... I mean, what? I mean, if water is symbolic, so is oil. Let's, let's put some oil on people and say, let's expect the Holy Spirit to come, right? Yes. Well, then I learned something else the other day. One of my students... Uh, in the Jesus the Messiah class, one of the assignments was for them to go and visit a, another church and hopefully of another uh, flavor than the one they usually go to. Well, one of my students went to a, brace yourself, evangelicals, but my, my, one of my students went to a Catholic church. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they were there, and, and, and a student was telling me about it. He said, I went there, and they were, and they, and they, they were, they were doing confirmation. Yeah, and so the, the people were all lined up, and I don't even know, I couldn't, if you say, hey, Dad, what's involved with confirmation? I, I could make something up, but, uh, and I'd sound right, but I'm guessing. I'm just a good guesser, but anyway, so I know it has something to do with something. Anyway, so they're doing something, and I've been in one, one kind of church my whole life. So, uh, so they're, doing, they're, they're doing confirmation, and, and the, the, the priest is coming, and this is the cool part. He's laying hands on all these people being confirmed. And, and as that's happening, the congregation, every time they come to a person, the congregation says something in Latin. And what they say in, in English, they, they all start, they're saying it in Latin, but they say, come Holy Spirit. So every time they come to a guy, and the whole congregation says, now we're not going to say it in Latin, but I mean, apparently God can understand Latin. Because, but because here's what happened in the story. The guy is going along, and then so he goes to the, you, let's do it together. I'll go to Eric. And so the, the priest comes to the one guy, and he does the thing, and everybody says, Come Holy Spirit. And then the priest comes to the next guy, and everybody says, Come Holy Spirit. The priest gets to the next lady, and everybody says, Come Holy Spirit. And the, and the guy pops off, starts speaking in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! They they said, "Come, Holy Spirit." Holy Spirit said, "Okay." okay. <laughs> they just kept going. And that's the great thing about Catholics and their mysticism. They don't care. Let's just do it. They can probably levitate. Be all right. Let's just play. But but I said, you know what? That's awesome. That's what we're gonna do. When they come out of that tank, the moment they come out, the congregation's not done. We're gonna participate. 
When they come out, as soon as they come up out of that water, we're going to see them just, we're going to imagine our, them just like Jesus coming out of the water. And what are you going to say when they come out? Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, that was even better than Saturday night. Saturday night was kind of like, I had to get them to say it three times. Ooh, are you excited for next week? Yes. Some of you should just get baptized, just even if you have been. I might get baptized. So I'll call my dad over to baptize me. Yeah. Or mama. I'm giving you some glory on me. I might. Who knows? We'll give it a shot. I'll just say, this is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. <laughs> now, both baptisms are important. I do believe that people can and will encounter, encounter the Holy Spirit in water baptism. I do not believe, nor do I believe that Scripture teaches that water baptism is spirit baptism. They are not the same. A couple of examples. Acts chapter 8, great example. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, after, uh, there's, we, it's, uh, I memorized Acts chapter 8 called Revival in Samaria. Wait, what's, act, what's act 8 about? Revival in Samaria. What happens is the Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, a great persecution uh, spills out upon the church in Jerusalem after Stephen is martyred and uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus is, is, is leading the charge and mad at everybody and, and attacking and persecuting the way and people are scattered and they go everywhere and they go everywhere and they hide in their houses and never talk about Jesus again. Wrong. They get, they're scattered and they're just more excited. That's the thing. Every time you tell the church, if we're the church, careful to have, if we're the church and you tell us to shut up and be quiet, we tend to get a little louder. Okay. Anyway. So, so they go and, 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 and Philip, who's just one of the seven from chapter six and he's anointed and he goes and Philip, he goes to Samaria. And here's what Luke tells us. He gets to Samaria and here's what happens. He begins to preach Christ to the Samaritan people in the region and he preaches Christ. He preaches Christ, right? He preaches Christ and then he demonstrates the kingdom. People, the, the lame walk and the sick are healed and those with demons are delivered. And people are people listen. People say, "Oh my goodness, this is we hear. We are seeing a demonstration of this truth." And they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Even Simon, the, the, trick, the tricky sorcerer, he's like, "Look up my sleeve. Look up my sleeve." But then, and Philip's got nothing up his sleeve, and so he says, "I'm with that guy." And so he repents. And then they all get baptized in water. They all get baptized in water. Now, how many think that's pretty good church? How many think that'd be good church? Christ is preached, sick or healed, yeah, yeah. De- oppressed, delivered, yeah, yeah. baptized in water. Yeah. Time for potluck. <laughs> Where Brent? He knows. He's all, that time to eat. Okay, it's time for, we've got to refuel. But, but the apostles in Jerusalem hear about it. And they go to Jer- and they go to Samaria and without, without, and Luke doesn't give us any margin of pause. And as soon as they get there, Peter and John arrive in Samaria, and as soon as they arrive, they lay hands on them in order that they might receive the Spirit. Because as of yet, he had not descended on any of them. So you can have the preaching of the gospel and the demonstration of God's power and repentance and baptism in water, and it's not the same. There is more. There is more. And whatever was more was so significant that 
that what happened when they did that, that is the thing that turned the Simon the old sorcerer feller. That, got his, that really got his attention. And that's when he said, whatever you just did, I'm going to give you money. I want that. That didn't work out well. Another example is in Acts chapter 10. So in Acts 8, we see genuine repentance and water baptism, and yet there's more. They had not the whole they, Remember, Jesus said, you, you were baptized in water, you will be. Okay? So there's a distinction in Acts 8. We see they're baptized in water, but then the, whole, the, the, the disciples come to help them receive the Spirit. Okay, in Acts chapter 10, I've got to be careful of my time here. In Acts chapter 10, uh, Cornelius, who is a Gentile, He's a Gentile. Okay, there you go. Make noise. Okay, he's a Gentile, and uh, and Peter has a vision. He falls into an ecstasy. Has a vision. He, the heavenly picnic, glorious, and 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 uh, it's wonderful. And eat pork and hallelujah. Okay, and so uh, so then he has a vision, and the vision means you're supposed to go to the Gentile house. So he goes. So people that come, they bring. And by the way, you probably should actually read this instead of just listen to what I'm saying because it's I'm a little nuts. Okay, so uh, so. So he gets to Cornelius' house, who, this house of a Gentile. He's not even supposed to go in there. And, uh, and Cornelius says, hey, I saw an angel. An angel said to, to, to ask for you to come. So now you're here. What do you got to say? And so Peter says this. He, and he says a few words of introduction. And then in verse 38 of chapter 10, he said, You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. These are always some of the first points of apostolic preaching, is Jesus, anointed, and miracles. They're always emphasized. And then he continued, and if you look at Peter's message, he emphasizes that Jesus was anointed, that he did miracles, that God was with him, and that he was crucified, and that he was buried and rose again, and that because he rose again, he has ascended, and Peter says, and, God, and Jesus, God has made Jesus the judge, that he will judge all of humanity. So now we're going, oh, he's the judge. We, everybody, we crucified him, but now he's the judge. And then he says, but all the scripture testifies of this. The prophecy, prophecy, all the prophets testify that there is forgiveness of sins for all who believe in his name. Now, so here's what the Gentiles heard. Jesus anointed, miracles, crucified, for, uh, crucified, rose again, judge and forgiveness. And if you read your Bibles, the way that Luke tells the story, as soon as the message that there is forgiveness of sin is released in the room, All of heaven breaks loose. Do you know how long God had been waiting to break out into the hearts of Gentiles? How heaven had longed to embrace them. And as soon as they hear that there was forgiveness, the Bible says, and as they heard those words, the Holy Spirit As Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard those words. And then everybody was shocked. 
Peter and, 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 the, and, the, and the Jewish crew that was with him, they were shocked. They said, well, wait a minute, look at this. All these Gentiles are now, they, what they said, they, we, now we know that, the, that God doesn't have favorites. He said, because they've received the Spirit just like we have, for we hear them speaking in other tongues. Oh, they, got, they got baptized in the Holy Ghost and started speaking in tongues. And they didn't go to they didn't go to synagogue school. They didn't know there nobody got out flint knives first. If you know what that means, then you know what that means. No flint knives, no stuff, no Torah, no Moses, no this, no that, no rules, nothing, no no no, no needle to thread yourself through, no hoop to jump through. Faith in Jesus Christ brought the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And they know what they said. They said, "Well, that's it. There's nothing left." That's it. No. What they said was, well, there's nothing to prevent them from being baptized in water. They're different, but both are important. Neither is neglected. Here they have this marvelous outpouring of the Spirit, and and they say, well, good. Now you can be baptized in water, because if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to be baptized in water. Both are important. Both are expected. Now, ideally, ideally, the scripture seems to present sort of a pattern where there's faith, uh, and then, you know, like, well, ideally, the pattern seems to look like, just for one example, because of my time today, Acts 2.38, Peter said, when the crowd said, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, and each of you. Ooh, everybody say that. Each of you. He says, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. This is a good, this is a good time to stop again. Uh, Dad, uh, were you baptized in water? Yeah. Well, you took a while to answer. Because <laughs> then we got next week. Okay. You were baptized in water? Yes. Was that uh, before I was born? Before you were born? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how come I got, I'll call, how come I had to be baptized then, if you did? Yeah, I made the mistake of asking my dad who gives a complete and thorough and, and deep answer. I asked James Earl Jones a question, and I got the answer. Um, each of you. Somebody say each of you. In the Bible, there's no such thing as vicarious baptism. Darcy, when you got baptized, that's good for you, but guess who needs to after you? All the kids. Your kids. And if people got baptized in water two generations ago, that doesn't mean you and I are already baptized. How many think that? Peter said, each of you. And Jesus said, these baptisms are similar. And yet there are whole schools of thought, whole schools of doctrinal thought that say everything that happened in Acts 2, that applies to everybody. They all got Holy Ghost in Acts 2. Don't worry about it. They got it. You already got it because they did. What? And that's not any more true than I got wet because they did. If you didn't get wet, you didn't get baptized. Each of you. Both are important. Both are expected for everyone. There seems to be a pattern. Repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. There seems to be an ideal, but that's ideal. God can, of course, like he did in Acts 10, meet us. But both are important. Both are expected. But when it comes to the baptism of the Spirit, here's the thing. Problematically... People tend to measure the significance of spirit baptism according to their own frame of reference. 
Sometimes a very negative frame of reference. Sometimes they're hostile from, from their own experience or their history or their observation. Sometimes they minimize it. Sometimes they dismiss it. Um, but our frame of reference is supposed to be determined not by, uh, not by our experience, but by, by the expectations presented to us by Jesus. How did Jesus describe the coming of the Spirit? That is to form our expectations. And not only what he described, but even the experience of Jesus himself. Let me start over here. The Gospels, each of the Gospels place this idea of being baptized with the Spirit or baptizing with the Spirit as a primary reason for Jesus' coming. How many know that if God says something one time, that's a good thing? Yes. If he says it two times, we should listen. Yes. What about three times? Yes. About four. Yes. Okay. Matthew 3, 11. This is John the Baptist introducing, distinguishing himself from Jesus, introducing the one who is coming. Matthew 3, 11. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 1, verse 7. As he was preaching, John the Baptist saying, After me, one is coming who is mightier than I. I don't done the shoes. But verse 8. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you a quick question. If you missed, if you come to John the Baptist and you skip the water, have you kind of missed the point I'm allowing the quietness to make the next argument. If I come to John, if John says, hey, I baptize with water. Oh, then I, if I'm associating with John, I need to associate with the baptism in water. But, but who's coming? He who comes after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit. We call John the Baptist, John the Baptist, John the Baptist. But Jesus really is Jesus Christ, the baptizer. That's what he came to do. Okay, you know, Luke, Luke 3, here he says it again. John responded to them all saying, As for me, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming is mightier than I. I'm not fit to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, John's gospel, he, John brings it even more clear. John presses the point even more so than the other uh, 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 synoptic gospels. Listen to John. In John chapter 1 and beginning in verse 32, uh, this is John, uh, John's gospel. Now, he's also quoting John the Baptist, and it says this, John testified saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove, out of heaven, and he remained upon him. Verse 33, I didn't recognize him. Jesus wasn't wearing a name tag. John said, I didn't know who he was. I didn't recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Spirit. You hear what God said to John the Baptist about Jesus? He said this, what you see happen to him is what he came 
to do for others. He says, look, look at, look at him, look for the one. And what you see happen to him, the spirit coming upon him, he's the one. What you see happen to him with the spirit coming and remaining, he is the one who will bring others into that same spirit. To understand what he came to give, you must see what Christ received. What did John see? John saw the spirit descending and remaining on Jesus. He saw that this was the catalyst for the Christ event. He saw that because of this, Jesus lived and ministered as the anointed one. In fact, everything after this was because of this. He ministered and lived in and by the Holy Spirit. And this, John the Baptist said, this is the spirit that Jesus came to give. What does that mean for the church? For the church, friends, we need to see that the church is supposed to be a continuation of the spirit-anointed event that was Jesus Christ. One writer said this, the main rationale for the church is to actualize all of the implications of the baptism in the spirit, meaning that we are here to live out the fullest implications of this promise. The church is an extension, not of the incarnation of the Son of God, but of the anointing on His life. What this means for us, friends, is that you and I follow Jesus into the waters of baptism, and we do so in order to identify with His death and His resurrection, and we also follow Jesus into the embrace of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the mighty one who comes to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. He's come to bring us into vital contact with the Holy Spirit. And we receive the same Spirit, the Alas Parakletos. And that Spirit remains with us and upon us. So that through the enabling of this baptism, we can live for Jesus and live like Jesus. For John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Something will happen to you that will separate you from from what was and will immerse you into what will be. Something will happen to you that will lead you into a life of purity and power, of holiness and love, of renewal and blessing, of radical obedience and devotion to Jesus. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what they expected. And this is what we must expect. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare to our living hope. Shame is undone. 
can stand together and join this worship team and sing this chorus. Let's wait upon and receive the Holy Spirit together. been baptized in water, next weekend is your weekend. If you are seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, every weekend is your weekend. We're going to let you go. We're going to turn you loose, find your kids, and enjoy your Sunday and see folks in the cafe. But if you'd like to stay back, if you'd like someone to pray with you and for you this morning, I'll have some of my, my ministry leaders, my deacons and, and staff come and help me to pray. If you'd like someone to anoint you with oil and you need help, you need healing, you need breakthrough, you're seeking the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we'll be happy to pray with you today. If you'd like to come, the front is wide open for prayer. The the team will sing this again. Otherwise, we'll go today in greater expectation, anticipation of the Spirit's presence in your life. God bless you. If I could have some of my folks come on down and help me make sure we're good.